This week on The Daddy Issue, we're going to look into what options queer people have when it comes to starting their own family. Before we start though, a quick heads up that we will be talking about reproduction today. It's all clean, but if you've got curious ears in the room who are too young to know about the birds and the bees, you might want to put your headphones on for this one, or distract them with Frozen. My name is Connor James, and you're listening to The Daddy Issue. man and a woman love each other very much. You know the rest. At least, I really hope you do. By now, you've probably figured out this podcast isn't about your typical heteronormative families. We're all about queer families, and I'm going to be honest with you here, if you're in a same-sex relationship or a relationship where all partners share the same reproductive organs, yeah, no one is going to get pregnant. Obviously, this doesn't mean you can't have kids, or this would be an incredibly short podcast. What it does mean is that having a child is a little or a lot more complicated, and what your possibilities are often depend on LGBTQ rights in the country you live in, what family law allows in the country that you live in, and in some cases, your finances too. What was clear for me when talking to my partner is that we needed to know what all of our options were before we could really think about parenthood seriously. We're pretty pragmatic and we like to know exactly what it is we're getting ourselves into so we can prepare ourselves and make sure that we're being realistic. It was also clear that for the time being, some options for us like adoption were very unlikely due to us living in the Netherlands. What our other options were though, well, we had no idea. Google wasn't so useful and the Dutch government's website essentially tells you, good luck, go figure it out yourself. So I needed an expert. Someone who could explain exactly what my options were to me in plain English. A friend of mine, Emma, who's also a fact checker, pointed me to Meer dan Gewenst, which is Dutch for more than wished for, an organization set up to provide the tools that LGBT people need to start their own families. One of the board members of More Than Wished For is Sarah Koster. She's an LGBT parenting expert who literally wrote the book on co-parenting. I reached out to her and she was more than happy to help. So, with her help, this week on The Daddy Issue, you're going to get the talk. Not the talk you had in school, but the one that you deserved and never got. Sarah is going to take me through all of my options and explain exactly what they entail. Bear in mind that we're based in the Netherlands, so I can't guarantee that all of the options we discuss will be available in your home country. Nevertheless, it's really important to know what options are out there, so this conversation should be a great starting point and an educational eye-opener regardless of your gender or sexuality. Sarah, thank you so much for helping me take my first steps into, well, gay parenting. And maybe to start us off, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work at More Than Wished For. 
Thank you for introducing me. Um, I will explain you more first about More Than Wished For. That's the Dutch foundation for LGBT parenting. We are a foundation for Dutch rainbow families and we provide information and we lobby with the politics and we also talk a lot to the media. We organize activities for people who want a family or people who have a rainbow family already. We just work with volunteers and we have no governmental funding. And me, myself, my name is Sarah Koster and I'm a board member of this foundation. But as a work, I, uh, I work as a coach counselor for those who want to become a parent or have a rainbow family already. And it's for LGBT people, but also for singles. Me, myself, I'm single and straight. I'm sorry, I'm coming out of the closet. I'm straight. And I co-parent <laughs> with a gay couple. I wrote a book about my family. It's called The Wish and the Fathers in Dutch, trying to find somebody who to translate it into English. I also work as a trainer for professionals to teach them more about modern families, different parenthood, we call it. And I have two children with a gay couple, and one father is the father biologically and legal of one child and the other one of the other child. Okay. And I was wondering, what kind of activities is it that you do to help teach people about like all of these different options and figuring out what they want. So um, we organize information meetings for those who want a rainbow family. We explain them all the different uh, family constructions they can choose. And we also have um, four people every meeting who tell their story about their own family. And we always have an experienced lawyer on family rights to give an overview about the legal situation. that That's what More Than Wished For uh, organizes. Yeah, so it's all about giving people an overview of their options and like the legal frameworks that make those options possible. I was wondering, do you know how many families More Than Wished For has helped create? Uh, uh, zero, because we don't help anybody to create a family. <laughs> we, gi we give information. And we also have ads on our website so people can put an ad like I'm looking for somebody to co-parent with. Not for surrogacy because by Dutch law that isn't allowed to put an ad out in the open like I'm looking for a surrogate or I want to be a surrogate. I'm looking for, for people who want to become a parent. But we... There, of course, there are a lot of babies born because people met each other at through our website or we also organize speed dates for people who want to co-parent. And I think we have about 25 babies out of the speed dates. And from the ads, I don't know, maybe 100 or 200. I have no idea. Wow. We don't keep record of it. But we we're not there for individual questions. We're just there for... But it's it's all their story and they have to make their decisions as long as they have all the information and also hear the experiences of other families. That also helps. So More Than Wished For is more like a, a knowledge bank that people can come to and tap into to find out more and explore this sometimes very complicated world uh, with many possibilities, but so they can really just get a feel for what's possible and understand the legal construct and hopefully uh, connect with people who can help them achieve that. And you're kind of like the, yeah, I don't think dating side is the right word, but you, you kind of, you, you help them make those connections, but 
that's for them to do. Your job is to just give them that information so they can do that by themselves to empower them to make those decisions by themselves. Yeah, it's such an important choice you make for the family construction and the person you do it with. So we're not going to give any advice about that. We just give them the opportunity to put an ad, to come to the information meeting, to come to a speed date. And yeah, we want to give them all the information they need, but it's their choice. We do give some advices like take care, you get enough information. And also if you choose a construction where it involves somebody else, go to a good family lawyer and really take care that you write down everything in advance before you can be pregnant. Yeah, make sure that everything's in black and white and the legal stuff is clear before you start making this journey. I was curious, actually, I know a little bit about this, but I think you know a lot more. You definitely know a lot more. I was curious, what makes the Netherlands kind of unique in regards to pink families, because I know this is one of the very few countries in the world where a child can have more than two legal parents, for example. No, no, not yet. So I don't know if we're unique in one or another way. Maybe what you can say is is that uh, we had a statute committee and they delivered a report four years ago with an advice that the child can have three to four legal parents and also a lot of arrangements around uh, surrogacy but it's not a law yet it takes ages and Mm -hmm. they should go much faster because the children who grow up in these families should be protected the same way you protect the children in traditional uh, families so yeah, we're we're not unique in one or another way. Maybe that a statute committee looked into it, but if there's no law yet, it well, it doesn't help yet. So um, I hope we we'll, we will be a guide country again, like with the gay marriage we were first. So I hope this finally becomes a law, and then other people, other countries, see the example how you can arrange it properly for these families. But it's still not arranged. What I think maybe the co-parenting is specifically in in the Netherlands, it's a larger group maybe than in other countries, but I don't know. There are no numbers because there's no law. For instance, my children just have two parents, so nobody can see that they actually have three parents because there's no law yet. So we can't compare numbers with other countries. Yeah, so hopefully, well, we have an election coming up soon. Maybe in the future we will be able to set a guide light, I guess, for the rest of the world and these agreements. But for now, in your own example, you have two children with two different fathers. As far as statistics are concerned, they're just two children with a one with a one father each and, and one mother each, because that's that's how the legal constructs work. So legal constructs are still how they are in most countries. Yeah, and, and since 2014, if a child has two mothers, their arrangements for the second mother to become uh, to acknowledge the child and become a legal parent that way. That's since 2014. And is it similar for um, a child who has two fathers? Yeah, if you if a child, for instance, through surrogacy has two fathers, then one father can acknowledge this, the child and the second father becomes a legal parent through adoption. Okay. So as always, you have an acknowledgement and then you also have the legal side to come alongside that so that so you adopt the child effectively from the surrogate mother. Yeah, but if there's a mother and she co-parents, the mother always is the legal parent and has custody. And there's one set to be given away. So only one of the fathers can become a legal parent and get custody. 
And the other father is officially not a family member of his child. Okay, so when we think about family, uh, I guess in this case, for a gay person, we have to start thinking about family in a slightly different way because we obviously can't, uh, as a gay man, I can't get pregnant. So I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about the different forms of family that are to choose from because I just thought adoption was the only option I ever had. Growing up in the UK, that's the only option I'd ever heard of. So I was curious if you could explain more about that Uh, So maybe we can start there. How does adoption work in a country like the Netherlands? Well, the ultimate prerequisite is that the country where you adopt from allows for adoption by gay couples, by same-sex couples. And for the Netherlands, that's possible within our own country. The United States allows it, um, and also South Africa and Portugal. So these are the only four countries where same-sex couples are allowed to adopt from. You have to have a minimum uh, or maximum, sorry, of 40 years age difference between the oldest parents and the proposed child. So if you're 40, you can have a baby. If you're 38, you can have a baby. But if you're 42, you can have a two-year-old. First, you register with Stichting Adoptievoorzieningen. There you get an information session and a training. And if everything is okay you get your family profile by the Council for Child Protection and then you get something which is called permission in principle. And then you have to register with one licensed intermediate and you have to fill in a form which special needs you can handle from the child. Then it's wait, wait, wait till there's a proposal and then you travel to the country of origin and there you will meet your child. And the length of the process depends on a lot of things. It can be like two to eight years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. You become the legal parent of the child, so it gets your last name, and you have to pay for the adoption, and that depends on from which country you adopt. But for instance, if you live in the Netherlands and you adopt from the United States, we think about about 60,000 euros for this whole adoption process. And it's not that you pay for the child, but you pay for everything around it. So the legal fees, of course, the travel, legal fees in the Netherlands and America. Yeah, all kind of, that, that's a whole list of things. But what I hear from parents who adopted your child, you must think about 60,000 euros or sometimes even a bit more. Wow. So that's adoption. You can also choose for foster care and foster care in the Netherlands, you have to be 21 at least yourself. Mm -hmm. You need a declaration of no objections by the Raad van de Kinderbescherming. That's what I earlier said. That's the Council for Child Protection. And you must be able to offer the child a safe home environment and you're supported by the foster care organization. And you can choose for 24-7, so the child is always with you. But you can also choose for weekend foster care or the holidays or to become a crisis shelter. The children are between baby and 18 years old. And the aim is to return to the biological parents. And if that doesn't work for one or two years and it's clear 
it won't ever be able to go back to the parents, then it stays with you. But you won't be the child's legal parent. It doesn't cost anything. You get some money because you take care of a foster child. And there are so many children who need foster care. We really need more foster parents. So we always tell to intended parents, which are on our information meetings, maybe you want another construction now. You you want to form a family with co-parenting or surrogates, but maybe later you want to think about foster care because there's so many children looking for you. And they make a match. So they actually look like, does this child fit with his family? And they also look for people f- like lesbian couples, gay couples. So there's, there's there are huge differences between adoption and foster care. So foster care is really about providing a safe home for a child whether that's for a weekend for a vacation to give the biological parents a little bit of a break or for a few years foster care is really to be a very experienced and very supportive role in that child's life because that child is coming from maybe difficult circumstances yeah well and with foster care you're never sure if the child stays at your house because the intended goal is that it goes back to the to the parents yeah. But in a lot of cases, it stays with with you. And the weekend care is not one weekend, but it can be like one weekend a month or whatever. Uh, but adoption isn't easy either because the child is adopted because of a reason. It can be that it has special needs, but it can also be that the mother used drugs while she was pregnant or had a lot of stress or whatever. So also adoption children can be a challenge, also can be children born from your own womb, by the way. But um, uh, I think the whole parenting is a challenge. So maybe we can talk now a little bit more about surrogacy and how that works. Surrogacy means that a woman carries a child for you and you and your boyfriend become the legal parents. And she is the mother. She is in touch and the the child knows who she is also can say mom to her that's how you decide how your family will work but you and your boyfriend will have you will take care of the child the child lives with you you have the parental custody and the the surrogate is not a legal parent and doesn't have custody you can try to find surrogate mother in the Netherlands, but in the Netherlands till now, it's against the law to advertise for surrogates when there is a new law that would change, but till now the law isn't there yet. So you have to find her in your own area. If you can't find anybody in the Netherlands, you can go abroad. And for instance, you can go to the United States or Canada There, it's not commercial surrogacy, but it's regulated surrogacy. You still pay a lot of money, but that's for medical costs, for travel costs, for the agency, and also a bit for the surrogate mom. But she doesn't do that for a living. She does that to help. And of course, she gets some money. But altogether, you must think about like 120,000 euros. Canada is a little bit cheaper than the United States. You can also go to cheaper countries like Ukraine, but the rights of the surrogate mom, the child, and U.S. wannabe parents aren't guaranteed. For instance, the surrogate mom, if she delivers the baby, she has no insurance at all if something happens to her. 
If she needs medication to stop the breastfeeding, she has to pay that herself. She's on her own. And also in these countries, the name of the wannabe parents is on the birth certificate. And according to Dutch law, the name of the mother should be there. So these laws don't match. And that means that you have a risk that your child never will get a passport and never will be able to travel out of the Ukraine and will end up in an orphan house there. So there are a lot of misstandings in this surrogacy world. The US and Canada are okay. But whatever you do, if it's a Dutch surrogate mom, if it's whatever, first go to a specialized expert in the Netherlands, a specialized lawyer, and Ask if your construction is okay and first take care that everything is arranged properly. If you want more information about Canada and the US, you can go to a website called manhavingbabies.org. They have a lot of information about all the agencies in the States and Canada. And in the Netherlands, there's a Dutch foundation for surrogacy and that's called Stichting Zwanger for an Ander, Pregnant for Somebody Else. They also have a lot of information. And what I also have to tell is that you have traditional surrogacy. That means that the surrogate mom gets pregnant from her own XL. So she's actually the surrogate and the XL donor herself. But you also have something called gestational surrogacy. And then the surrogate mom is pregnant of a donated XL through IVF. So first and foremost then... I guess you're going to say this for every single option, the most important thing for any want-to-be parent in any country in the world is to make sure that when they've decided what route is for them, go to a lawyer and make sure you know what your legal standing is to make sure that if you have a child abroad, you don't get refused entry when you return back to your home country, for example, because the child isn't recognized as your own. Yeah, also you have these different options. And I'm assuming, for example, in the Netherlands, if you choose for a process like IVF, of course, there's going, to be, there's going to be more cost to that because that, that requires medical intervention. But there's also another option where you can do home insemination, for example. Home insemination, yeah. Which I don't think I need to explain. Um, and then there's also artificial insemination, which is different to home insemination, and that also takes place in the hospital. At this point in the Netherlands, they don't do artificial insemination for surrogates. So you either do home insemination from her own XL and just do it at home, or you have to do the IVF with an XL donation, but that just started till one year ago. It wasn't allowed in the Netherlands uh, for gay couples. So that's just a pilot yet. It seems now that it's a choice. What do you want? Do you want a Dutch surrogate or what kind of XL do you want? But it's very difficult to find a surrogate and the surrogates, is the person who decides I want it for my own Excel or I want a donated Excel because some of them, they really think, well, I don't want IVF or whatever. I'm the surrogate mom and I'm also the biological mom. Um, and other think, well, I do want to be a surrogate, but I don't want that my own children have a half brother or half sister that feels not okay for me. I'd rather have an Excel donor, but that's not the choice of the gay couple that's the choice of the surrogate mom. And of course, you can think what you want, but it's not a, a list where you can choose from. It's difficult enough to find a surrogate because 
I think for every surrogate, there are like 200 couples who want a child. That, that, that's not real numbers, but that's just what I think. There are so many people who are looking for a surrogate. Also, heterosexual couples who have problems getting pregnant. If you go to the States or Canada, it's most of the times it's through an XL donor. Take care that you always choose for an identifiable XL donor. So your child can find out later who his other his or her other biological half is. In the Netherlands, we said in 2004, we don't allow anonymous donations anymore, not from sperm, not from egg cells, not from embryos. A child always has to be able to identify his biological parent. In the Netherlands, we have a law since 2004 that it's the right of the child to be able to identify the donor, if it's a sperm donor, an egg cell donor, or an embryo donor, the child has to be able to find out where his other half comes from. So that that's very important. And also, the story you have for your child, how it's conceived. So if you go to the Ukraine because it's cheaper and the child will never be able to find the egg cell donor or the surrogate mom and has to be in an orphan house there for one and a half year. That's not the story you want to tell your child. You always have to think about the child you're giving birth to. You want to be a parent, but always think about the child. Yeah. So it's always making sure that you put the child's life above your desire to be a parent, because of course you want to be a parent, but to be a good parent, you have to make sure that that child however you're deciding to have that child is first and foremost the most important thing and that whatever you're doing, you're not putting that child at any risk of ending up in a situation which they never chose to be put in and that the child always knows where they're from, what their story is and, and how they how they came to be because that's it's really important for them to understand their own identity, that they understand how they came to be on, on this earth as opposed to that being a secret. Yeah, well, if, if you look at all the research which is done on all kind of rainbow family forms, the kids are all, all right. It doesn't matter if you have two fathers or two mothers or a mother and a father or a single mom. As long as they take care of you, they love you and give you a safe, warm, loving environment to grow up in. And part of that is also who is your other biological half so it, it, it's very important for the child to be loved etc but also the story of origin you always must be honest to your child and you don't want to tell your child that you don't know who the excel donor is and never will be able to find out who it was and that you don't have any information about the surrogate because she's somewhere in the ukraine but you don't know who she was and that your child was in an orphan house the first year of his life that's not what you want to tell your child no definitely not you want to be able to tell them everything they want to know you need to be able to give those answers you don't want your child to have to go searching uh on some journey where they don't even know where to start. You need to make sure they know the egg donor, who is their birth mother, so they can understand how they came to be and feel, I guess, whole is, is the best way to say it. So they can they, they don't feel like there's a gap in their history, which they aren't going to be able to fill without having to do some research, which might be impossible to ever complete. Yeah, and the child is more than just the wish from the parents. You always have to think about the, the child. For instance, you don't want your child to think oh i'm from the ukraine because that was cheaper 
and because it's cheaper I don't know anything about my origin. Let's talk about something which I know you know a lot about, which is co-parenting. Until I met you and researched you more, I had no idea what co-parenting was, besides from what I heard when, you know, parents get divorced and they choose um, how they're going to raise their children together in a custody agreement. So can you tell me a little bit more about this construct? Yeah, that's the construction I'm very experienced at because I co-parent myself with a gay couple and my children are 13 and 15 already so and I did uh, also coach a lot of people who co-parent it's intended co-parenting so that's different from getting a divorce the intention is that you share the responsibility of raising the child for instance with a lesbian couple and a gay couple a single lesbian with a gay couple a single heterosexual with a gay couple or a gay single with no, you can you can think about all kinds of constructions you really have to get to know each other very well because you will be one family forever so there are a lot of important questions to ask like how are we going to do this where are we going to live do we have enough click to do this together and it's very important like in all the other constructions too but also here but putting the child's needs first. And you can divide the time like 50-50 or maybe 60% with the mother and 40% with the father. But the whole thing is that you share the responsibility of raising the child. Because you can also decide to become a donor and say, well, I don't want the responsibility to raise the child. For instance, I will be a donor for a lesbian couple The child will live there. They will choose which school the child goes to, et cetera, et cetera. But one weekend out of three, the child will be with me. Then you're a donor or donor plus. But co-parenting really means that you share the responsibility. So normally also, like the the birth mother always has, is a legal parent and has custody. And if you co-parent with the birth mother, then you should have also the legal parental custody. So for instance, if you're a donor, when the child goes for his swimming exam, you go there just to see how he passes the exam. But if you co-parent, you decide together with the mother, at what age do they go for swimming lessons, in which swimming pool, and you have to go there every week in, <laughs> it's warm. If you if you're <laughs> if you co-parent, you do everything together. So you go to school, talk to the teacher, but if you're a donor, you just go to the music recital and not to every piano lesson. So um yeah, it's intended co-parenting. So you really in advance say we are going to co-parent, it's not a divorce. And with co-parenting, you have to think about how you divide the days, how you are going to take care of the finances? How are you going to do the holidays, the birthdays? How do you deal with the in-laws? How do you do the first year? Because the mother gives birth to the child and you want to co-parent, but the mother thinks, oh, finally I'm a mother and I can't share yet. How, How are you going to build up the schedule in the first year? You have to decide which parent doesn't become a legal parent because you might be with three or four parents. So one or two of them won't be legal parents and won't have custody because the child till now in the Netherlands can just have two 
official parents. You have to think about the distance where you live. You can't live too far from each other because if you pick up your child from school and your child wants to play with a, with a friend, it can't be that you have to drive for half an hour. It's very important to record everything in a parenting plan. So you go to a specialized lawyer or notary in family law, you record everything. And even more important is the way to this piece of paper. What do you talk about? How do you decide things? And for instance, if you have problems together, how maybe you go to a mediator, so you take care that it doesn't explode. I can imagine that's quite a, a big undertaking because, of course, you aren't married, so your relationship is slightly different. But of course, you're going to have all of the same conflict and confusion as as any couple will have because you're all interested in the best upbringing for your child. So I can imagine getting all this stuff in black and white and making sure that you know how to resolve problems and it's all agreed beforehand is super important for these kind of relationships. Yeah, yeah, and you're not sleeping in the same bed. So um, some things you can solve with your partner because you live together with the co-mother who lives in another house. It's always a bit more difficult. So, But the, the advantage is that the child has a mother you are the father. The child has three parents who take care of him, who love him, who cook different, who teach him different things. Uh, like last week, one of my men had his birthday and he said there was there was ice last week so we could skate. And he said, oh, can I have as a birthday present that I don't have to go skating with the children? Sarah, will you take them out skating? And I said, yeah, I will. <laughs> so it has a lot of advantages because half of the week I'm not a parent. Well, I still am a parent, but I can do other things. And when the children are here, I have more time for them. I can be a more dedicated mother. And for instance, the fathers, if the children are with me, they can do something together or work more or can go away for a weekend so we can choose what we do with children and what we do without children. And we also do things all together with the five of us. Sometimes a vacation, sometimes just a weekend or a dinner. You can also think like, how do I find somebody to co-parent with? Well, you can put an advertisement on our website, but also we organize speed dates where you can meet women who want to co-parent. And actually they're... A little bit more women who want this than gay couples. It's nearly the same, but some, but most of the times I have a little bit more women who want to join the speed date. So you can also um, just talk with people and see how it feels because it's a huge decision. Do you choose co-parenting or a surrogacy or adoption or foster care? It's all so different and it's all difficult. How do I find a surrogate? How do I find the money to adopt? Do I want a child who is with me forever or not? Do I want to know the birth mother? Do I want to choose the birth mother myself? Do I want to co-parent? That's all so different. So it's very good to go to an information meeting and also speak to people who have rainbow families already. And one story you will think, oh, that's what I want too. And the other story you think, oh no, that I don't want to share anything with a mother. I don't want to co-parent or whatever. But you have to go en route. You have to do things. You have you need information. You need stories of other people. You need to know, know more about the legal part. 
and then talk with your partner and talk and talk. It's time for a quick break. But afterwards, we'll talk about the different parenting options that we've just covered and how to find the one that suits you best. No, this isn't an advertisement break. I'm not going to try and sell you a mattress yet. But I am going to ask you to rate and review this podcast on your podcasting app, as well as subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Not only will you get a little notification when a new episode drops, but you'll help increase our visibility too. If you really want to keep on top of the show, then you should follow us on social media. We're available on Instagram at the Daddy Issue Pod, Twitter at Daddy Issue Pod, and you can find us on Facebook too by searching for The Daddy Issue. All of these links are available on our website too, which is thedaddyissue.org. Thank you so much for your support. Now, back to this week's episode. So now that we've discussed all of the different options that there are, that are available to people, and listeners might be surprised that there are so many options, because like me, when, when I first started this journey, I thought there was only one adoption. What advice do you have to those people to help them figure out which of these options is the best for them? Like which one fits them the best? Yeah, I will never give anybody the advice Let you, you should do that family form. Um, it's always a decision of the people themselves. So I try to give them a lot of information and a lot of stories of other people. There are a lot of constructions which you can choose from, but they're so different from each other. And they all have their advantages and also their disadvantages. And sometimes they're not even possible because you can want to find a surrogate. But if you don't find somebody in the Netherlands and you don't have the money for the US or Canada, or you, or you don't want it in a foreign country, then you can't do the surrogacy. So it's really go on routes and listen to stories, get information and talk together with your partner about all the advantages and disadvantages and try to feel how it will be to have a family in that construction. And when you choose a construction and you go for it, you do it. Never think, oh, shouldn't I have done the other? No, when the, when the child is there, this is what you've chosen and you're making the best of it. So if you co-parent and you have trouble with the mother, you figure it out. Yeah, you commit to it and you pull through. Yeah. And that kind of brings me on actually quite nicely to my next question, which is when it comes to family, friends and colleagues, once you've made this decision, you obviously at some point you're going to want to tell people because it's, it's a really great thing. You've decided you're going to become a parent and you want people to know about this. How can you announce this decision to people? And I've personally already experienced confusion from colleagues when I've expressed interest in becoming a parent because they just don't understand why I would choose that. How can you explain to friends, family, colleagues, people around you that you've made this decision? Why don't they understand that you want to become a parent? I think it's because they're heterosexuals. So they've never really, maybe they've never experienced a gay family before. They've never seen one before. And there's this very strange... Yeah, I don't, I don't have to. I don't know if you want to call it sort of from like a stereotype, but it feels like a stereotype where people think because you're gay, you've kind of you've chosen this life without children. <laughs> and some people are parents, and they think that hey, I have kids, and they're noisy and and grumpy. Why would you want to have that? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's strange because 
point one, you didn't choose to be gay. You were gay. Um, and why wouldn't you want to have children? So I think that's more the problem of the this person than your problem. I think the question like, how do I tell family and colleagues and friends? That's not the first question I would answer if I were you. You want children, you want to become a family, and you're going en route to find out which construction and with whom. And you can tell your family and friends, like, I want to become a parent, but they shouldn't ask inappropriate questions and they shouldn't give you their opinion. If they want to help you, maybe they have some information or maybe they know somebody or maybe they can ask you some questions which will help you on your path to a family. But if people say, hey, but you've chosen to be gay, so uh, then you shouldn't be wanting children, I would say just don't talk about them, about forming a family because there are two very strange things in, in this question. But it's important what you want. It's your family. And you can tell people that you will get a family. Or ask them, like, hey, do you know somebody who wants to be a surrogate? Or do you know somebody who wants to co-parent? And what kind of strange questions can you expect to get from people like colleagues, for example, when you explain <laughs> that you're a parent? Maybe you have experience being the co-parent. Like, what kind of weird stuff do you get asked? And how, how do you deflect that? And how do you prepare as well to receive these kind of questions? Well, people get strange questions and you will get used to that. People will ask you, who is the real father? Well, we both are. But I think you want to ask, who is the biological father? And that's not that they want to be mean. They just don't know the words to choose. So they, they want to be kind and ask who is the biological father, but they say who's the real father. And it's not on purpose to be mean to you. That's just because they don't know it yet too well. Yeah, they don't have the words to express it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes they ask like, for instance, with co-parenting, if I went to have sex with one of the fathers and that's inappropriate, I think i I don't ask a heterosexual couple either how they made their children. Sometimes lesbian couples, if the first mother gives birth to child number one and the second mother is also a mother, of course, and then the second child is grows in the womb of the second mother. And then people say, oh, finally you will become a mother too. Uh, I'm a mother already for three years, but what you actually want to say is how nice that you are pregnant now. So it's all about kind of these questions where most of the time they don't mean any harm, but because this is new, well, it's not new, but because it is, it's it's new in popular culture, it's all about having to deflect stuff, which I think gay people were used to these kind of questions because, yeah, we've grown up queer, so we're used to getting these questions, but you have to kind of be prepared for them and also be prepared to answer them in a way which helps the other person understand. You don't want to just tell them to go away. You want to explain to them, actually, what you want to say is yeah. who's a biological father and help educate them so that they can tell people as well and help normalize this. So yeah. hopefully one day it becomes just completely normal and these questions don't come across. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to be mean. They just don't know the word, the right words. So just help them like, oh, I think you want to know... From your experience at Mullen Wishful, how do LGBT people generally choose their path to parenthood? I, I assume that they, they come, they go on speed dates. 
do a lot of people just kind of try a little bit of everything, if that makes sense. They try and immerse themselves in every option. And then when they get that gut feeling that says, hey, this is the one for me, they just go for it. I like to take quite a long time and really go into depth. I guess, it, I guess per parent, it's really different. Um, so, some people go to an information meeting and they're just very orientating. They don't know which family form they want and they come home like they come with 10 questions and they come go home with 100 new questions but they're further on their path and some people just already know which family form they want and they just want more information like a lesbian couple who knows they want a donor from a clinic they come for information and experience stories of other people and other people just are totally like totally new like Tell me everything and I go home and think it over. I think I may be the last option there because I am making the podcast on all of my options. You always have a fear maybe that the option you want isn't possible for whatever reason. Even if it is possible right now, you also have that kind of fear, I think, that maybe it doesn't work out. So I personally want to investigate everything so that when I make the decision, when I get that gut feeling, I can follow it without any kind of doubt. Although I'm sure that... If I do become a father, as soon as that child is born, no matter how many parenting books I read, I will probably freak out and be like, oh, how does this work? What do I do? But I really want to kind of get in and get into the thick of it and, and hear stories from people like you. So that, yeah, it, because we only see heteronormative families in the media. I, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie or a TV show or the news and I saw like a, a family that looked like a family which I could have. So... I think for gay people in general, no matter whether you're on the LGBTQ spectrum, it it is a journey of not like coming out again, but it is kind of like a second coming out because you have to really go and explore these options and then figure out which one fits best for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, we always say in information meetings, it feels out like coming out of the closet for the second time. Because first you have to tell you're gay and then you're going to tell I want a family. But I hope, I always ask the question when people are there, like, raise hands for everybody, everybody whose mother said, told me they were gay, whose mother said, oh, then I won't be a grandmother. And then in the beginning, a lot of people raised their hands. But now it's like, if there are 100 people there, there are like eight who raised their hands. So it becomes better already. And the stories of rainbow families are a lot in the media. And I try to get them more and more in between of the normal stories. Like if there's a story like, do you want to tell something about your tattoo? Then I also try to get a surrogate telling her story, not because she's a surrogate, but because she has a tattoo and she's one of the people who tells about her tattoo. So I want to make it as normal as possible. And yeah, I think people are getting used very fast to modern families. Yeah, it's crazy. Even if I look back at when I was younger and to now, so if I look for over the past 10 years, even there's been such a huge change in just the general perception of LGBTQ people to the point where pride is a massive celebration and straight people come and celebrate too. And that's massive. And when I was younger, I remember when I wanted to go to pride, but I was scared to go to pride because it was, it, it was something where I was worried there'd be people there who might want to, to hurt me. And, and now it's, it's so normal. And even speaking to my stepfather, my family in Northeast England, he has a colleague who's adopted um, two children with his husband. And hearing these stories now is actually, it's, it's nice to hear because when I was younger, I never heard stories like this. But yeah, I guess I understand what you mean. It's all about normal, normalizing it and making yourself visible 
as a parent so that other people can see you as well. Are there any resources, uh, websites, organizations, which within the Netherlands or outside the Netherlands, like global organizations, which you can advise people to go to for more information, advice on these topics? Nelfa, that's the European more than wished for. And at their website, you will find a list for every European country. What's the Rainbow Family organization in that country? Some countries even have more of these organizations. So nelfa.org. Okay. And I guess this takes me on to my final question, which is, yeah, if you could give me um, or anybody listening to the show one piece of advice to take with them if they're beginning this journey into parenthood, what would that piece of advice be? That's to grant your child and also your, your co-parent or surrogate or, or whoever is involved to grant them a lot. It's not about what you want. It's what's best for the child and what's best for the whole family. And take take a good decision. And if you made a decision, you're just doing it and making the best of it. Yeah, take care. You get enough information. Don't forget to stop at the lawyer. And I also recommend people, if they find a family form and maybe somebody to do it with, go to a counselor in advance to talk things over again. The counselor and the lawyer, they can ask some difficult questions, some mean questions. They try to find where the problems might be. And you better do that in advance. Never think, oh, we're in a hurry, let's do this. No, it's a very important decision for the rest of your life, for you, but also for the child. So take your time. Yeah. Make sure that you're well informed, know your legal options and take advantage of the fact that you can choose when to have your child by making sure that when you do choose to have your child, everything's in black and white, you know how it's going to work and you're giving that kid the best possible chance and you're putting them first and not yourself. Yes. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and yeah, you've given me a lot to think about and even more questions, which I will be asking the other guests on the show. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask, ask you all 200 of them right now. So thank you so much for your time. And I really look forward to exploring this in more detail. And I'll be sure to make sure that we have links to Meiden Gewenst, so more than wishful, and all the other organizations which you've recommended that people can go to to find out more about this subject. Thank you. I hope it helps you a bit on your journey to a family. And if you have more questions, you can always ask them. So we've briefly covered adoption, foster care, surrogacy, and co-parenting. As you may remember from our previous episode, we discussed how overseas adoption had been banned in the Netherlands. This is still the case. There's been no change here. If you're curious why, you can check out our website for some more information. What began to dawn on me in the days after my conversation with Sarah was how dependent you are on external factors and parties for any of these options to work out in your favour. To adopt, your home country needs to have legal adoption for LGBTQ people. For surrogacy, you need to be able to find a match with a surrogate, in a world where there are more intended parents and surrogate mothers. For co-parenting, you need to find someone who is willing and able to share a child with you. And you have to be willing to be in a family that may include up to four parents. What is also becoming more and more obvious is just how many people it takes to make a queer family happen. 
and also how many women there are who, even if heterosexual, are helping fight for queer family rights, starting co-parenting relationships, and sometimes carrying the child for a gay couple as a surrogate. So, if you're listening to the show right now, and you're one of these women, I just want to say thank you. What you're doing is incredible, and I'm so grateful for your allyship and support. I'm also really proud that I'll get to introduce a lot of women like this to you, the listener, in future episodes. If you want to read up more on what we've just discussed, check out this episode's accompanying article on our website, thedaddyissue.org. Please remember that while we may have experts on the show, you need to speak to a local expert if you're ever considering starting a queer family of your own. This show is not qualified to give you this advice and is here purely for educational and entertainment purposes. Next week, we're going to begin exploring these options, starting with co-parenting. And since Sarah literally wrote the book on the subject, it was only logical that she should be the one to explain it to us. The Daddy Issue is an independent podcast, produced and presented by me, Connor James. Music by Willem Boy. Fact-checking and editorial support from Emma Vogt. Our original artwork is by the incredible K-Toys. And a special thank you this week goes to Sarah Costa, who not only let me interview her for the show, but provided most of the contact details for the people you'll hear in future episodes. We're available on Instagram at the Daddy Issue Pod, Twitter at Daddy Issue Pod, and you can find us on Facebook too by searching for The Daddy Issue.